Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we watch Blizzard. We're always watching them, constantly. Except, you know, whenever we take like a moment to sleep or eat or live normal human lives and they immediately drop a huge announcement. But other than that, we're watching them constantly. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew Rossi, and with me this week are two magnificent, earth-shaking co-hosts. They will destroy you. You have no escape. Uh, first up, because he's the editor-in-chief of the site and he'll probably destroy you harder, Alex Zebart. I am, in fact, a giant, so that was an accurate introduction. Hi, Matt. Hello. What have you been up to? Uh, not as much WoW this week as in previous weeks. I think I've finally, like, broken free of the new expansion, like, binge, where mm-hmm. I was just playing constantly. I've kind of gotten to the point where I pick and choose which world quests I want to do. <laughs> Very much pick and choose. If it's artifact power, I'll get it. Everything else, eh, I'll find something else to do. Okay. Uh, also with us this week, and she'll destroy you more thoroughly. Like, Alex will, you know, hit you like a comet, but she'll completely scorch the earth. You're, you're, there will be no escape for you. Uh, and, and Stickney. What are you up to, Anne? I am small, but I am mighty. I'm like, I think Alex has got like a good foot and a half on me. I don't know. <laughs> Something like See, that. The two of you should team up like X-Men characters. Cause He's we were talking real about tall. Earlier. <laughs> Alex, can, Alex can throw you at the enemy and you can like, well, you don't have adamantium claws, but you can still mess them up really good when you get there. I kind of, I haven't finished developing my laser vision yet. It's, it's on, it's an ongoing thing, but yeah. Okay. I don't know. What have I been up to? Um, yeah. Legion mostly. Uh, I, I finished the Druid class hall campaign which was great, and I thought it was really fun. But at the same time, I was like, "Aw, is that it?" And it wasn't. It wasn't out of, "Oh, I didn't like this. It was too short, or whatever." It was more like, "I would like this to keep going on. <laughs> I really like it. I would like more of it." So I'm yeah. kind of hoping that they release more campaigns over the course of the expansion because that would be great. Yeah, I've actually. I, have... I said on Twitter. I think I said. I'm sorry, Alex. Go ahead. Uh, let's see, I haven't played. The only one I've played like all the way through is Warrior. So I don't know what any of the other ones are like, but I kind of thought it was going to reach like a climax, like a really cool climax, and I didn't feel like it did. It kind of ended on something I didn't care about very much. 
I See, like, I actually like the Warrior one quite a bit. So, yeah, I disagree with you totally. I think the Fair Warrior enough. one had a really good ending. But uh, I get what you're saying about it in terms of it not feeling like a climax because, you know, it doesn't actually resolve anything. It's just, we have struck a blow. It's like, great. Can we strike more blows now? Right. If we want to win the fight, we got to hit him a few more times, I think. I, I think one punch ain't going to do it. Yeah, with the Druid one, it's like one of the ancients is in danger and you have to save them. But, you know, you get to the point where it's all like, oh, hooray, happy ending for all or whatever. And also you're the bestest Druid that ever Druided did, did or whatever. But then it feels like there should be more after that, but there isn't. So that's why I said I, I'm hoping that they continue these class hall campaigns at some point. Like, just give us a little bit more. Like, throw that in a patch. I'd be okay yeah. with just that for a patch. I forget who it was on Twitter. Um, it was one of the devs who was asking, so, what do you, what, you know, if you were going to get any content you wanted, what content would you want to see in future patches? And the first thing I said was more garrison campaign stuff, more class order campaign stuff. Yeah. More, I said more the same weapon thing. appearances. Yeah. I'd I like think to that see was more, Fiesel like, that said that. I wasn't sure. I'm not sure. I'd like to see, like, I, I would honestly really like to see more varied kinds of world quests. Like, not that we don't have a lot, but I would, like, go ahead and throw more in. Um, that would be good. Uh, but I definitely would like to see more more Garrison. I keep calling it Garrison. I'm sorry. I, I would like to see more class order campaign stuff because I really, I feel like it's got a good, It's a, there's a good delivery system system here for like future story the other the other thing that i've been doing is just like rolling around in suramar because it's delightful and i love it to bits (laughs) i love it so much suramar is the city that i was hoping that silver moon city would be it's the city city, it's the city that i was hoping the exodar would be you know i want to live there yeah like always i love that city I hope we don't do anything to it. I hope they don't pull like a veil of eternal blossoms on it because I would be devastated. I love that thing so much. See, honestly, I feel like they could do that without really hurting the city. Although I don't love the city as much as you guys do, but you've got that huge demon place right next to it. Um, yeah. I don't I feel like, like the demon, th- demon place so much. I like the city. I like just, but I feel like they could get rid with of the, with the like night they could get rid of the demon place though is what I'm saying. Yeah, you could, you if, could they, actually... if they got rid of that and like maybe expanded a little bit in school. That demon hole is easily the most boring place in the zone. Yeah. See, I, I don't find it boring. I find it I don't get bored by I have to ride across this entire freaking zone chased by elites just to get to this one cave in the south of the area just so I can free five people for one world quest. Just so I can get my emissary chest. It's a mess. It's hard to navigate. The mobs are annoying. The initial quests that send you through there are like vanilla quality kill quests. It's like, come on. It's an amazing zone the of Surmar. You have something like this here? Yeah, the only the only saving grace to it from my perspective is because I was playing a druid, I could go in a cat form and stealth through most of it. <laughs> but... If yeah, that's I'm, the best part of it, then maybe there's something wrong with that area. <laughs> Plus, it's messed up in terms of timeline. Like, it's when doing the quest throughout Suramar, you can discover random quests. Like, I, I didn't even know about this one quest that I just discovered, where you you're riding around and you run into there. There's like a high, a, like what I call them highborn. Sorry, there's a nightborn who's like, please help me get back into the city. So you're like, yes, that All right. one. Oh yeah, that one. And I'm not gonna talk about it in case people haven't done it. But when you get done with that one, that's like uh, you know you want to just go on a murder rampage. Yeah. But you can't because there's nothing to murder. You, you kill two guys and you're done, and you have to just go back and say, hey, um, if 
this happens, it's bad. And they're like, oh, well, that does sound bad. And it's the, like, no, go ahead, go ahead. The voice acting in Suramar is top notch. Um, Aaron Phillips, the guy who does the voice of Rathian, he did voices. There are NPCs in Suramar that are him. And I recognize them when I heard them. I was like, is that, am I hearing Aaron Phillips? And I tagged him on Twitter. He's like, I don't know, what's the name? And I told him the name. He's like, it could be. I'm like, yeah, that's totally you. And then whoever it was, um, the gal at the vineyard, the one that probably walks... Aaron Fitzgerald because Aaron Fitzgerald does several of the Suramar. I can tell you the right one now, that I walks you because... around and talks to you and she's giving you the tour and stuff initially like Margot or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. She's got like this, she's got this almost like Bernadette Peters quality to her voice. And I just loved her to bits. <laughs> and I'm like every, every elf in that zone sounds amazing. It's I was great. actually really astonished that it was like, you know, sun King era France with elves. Like seriously, that's yeah. what they remind me. <laughs> that's it. It's like fin, fin de siècle Paris, the elf town. Uh, it really does kind of have that feeling of, you know, oh, well, everything might go to heck because there's demons. Let's drink some more stuff and forget. It's like really kind of just that's the city. Like So sometimes I find it real annoying, but sometimes at least I'm astonished by how the fidelity of it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like the whole city. I don't, when I say fidelity, I don't mean that it's faithful to any particular mise-en-scene. I mean it's faithful to itself. The city is itself. Yeah, I love elves and like fantasy stuff like I, I just love elves fantasy races elves are my thing right and one of the things i liked about warcraft is that it had different kinds of elves and they had different kinds of cultures yeah and like in wow night elves kind of miss the mark and like blood elves kind of miss like they have these cultures for them they're not really in the game you don't get to see as much of it as you would like but then you get to serve our city and i was like finally this is amazing. At long last. <laughs> this awesome, like, high magic elven society with, like, cool stuff going on, and I can explore, and it's awesome, and I Just dig it. Bam, in your face, Elf Central. I love yeah. it to bits. We should probably talk about the news, huh? Probably. Eh, all right. Uh, well, you know, let's go straight to the first thing. The only one that's, like, a real pending thing is the Heroes Brawl was announced, uh, the new play mode for Heroes of the Storm, which I'm going to have Alex talk about because he knows more about it than I do. Yeah, uh, it's basically Hearthstone's Tavern Brawl, but in Heroes of the Storm. Uh, they announced at BlizzCon last year their arena game mode, which is like you get everybody gets random heroes and you just kind of get thrown into like a PvP free for all or like just a pure brawl. Uh, it took forever to release and people were like, what was, <laughs> where did that go? It was announced a year ago. And today they said it's finally coming, but they expanded on it. It's not just an arena, it's like a new crazy rule set every week heroes like brawl it's like yeah. the overwatch brawls and the hearthstone brawls Ex only uh, yeah Ex the overwatch brawls are kind of lame and you don't even get a reward for them which is double lame uh this is much more reminiscent of hearthstone than overwatch uh, overwatch doesn't really seem to care about that feature they just kind of threw it in this seems like it has had a lot of effort and development time put into it more like Hearthstone, so I'm excited. I feel like the Overwatch one just needs more work. Like, they need to offer some kind of reward for doing it, but they also need to kind of switch it up a little bit. Yeah. You know? Like, there's, really there's cool stuff that they it. could be doing in there, but they haven't quite utilized all of it yet. So it doesn't feel like it's fully formed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they gave a couple examples outside of, like, different maps and stuff. Uh, a couple examples of the rule sets they're going to use in the Heroes Brawl. One of them is uh, Ghost Protocol, where both teams, everybody's playing Nova. It's all on Nova of... all the time. 
everybody's Nova, and it's on Towers of Doom, which is, like, the only way to damage the opponent's cores to, like, capture these points. Except in Ghost Protocol, when you kill an enemy Nova, that deals damage to their core. And Snipe will instant kill anybody. So you have two teams of Novas who can instant kill whoever they manage to land a shot on, and it's just like a sneaky snipe fest to try to <laughs> defeat the other team just through sniping them. And See, and that sounds like fun. Yeah. And another one is everybody is Sergeant Hammer with hover tank talent with their speed boosters on all the time. And the only way to win is to capture towers as opposed to damaging the core. So it's just like tanks speeding all over the place and trying to stop them from sieging places and trying to capture places and it's just completely different game modes and they sound really fun and that comes is it october 17th yes it's hitting the ptr october 10th it'll be on live the live game october 17th which is immediately after the current like what i've always heard they call it machines of war i think so yeah yeah as soon as the starcraft event ends the heroes brawl is going live and you actually do get an award for participation. You get unique portraits. And I think if you participate three times within the week that it's running, you get a thousand gold. So they are giving rewards for participating, unlike Overwatch, who just kind of like pooped it into the game and don't give you anything for it. Speaking of and Starcraft, that, yeah. speaking of Starcraft, I think we should like briefly mention Neeb, who is the first American to win a Korean Starcraft 2 tournament. Over the past weekend, because that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a pretty big deal if you pay any attention to the StarCraft a, scene. Because it's a big deal. The last time anybody won any kind of StarCraft event, like a foreigner won a Korean StarCraft event, was back in 2000, I think. And that was when Brood War was out. It wasn't there. StarCraft Two didn't even exist. This is the first time a foreigner has won a StarCraft Two title yeah, in Korea. Yeah. Uh, Korea is pretty unstoppable when it comes to starcraft so yeah it's pretty it's pretty big deal it's not even like rah rah an american one it's like no somebody other than a korean won anything ever <laughs> yeah which is just crazy pretty... so yeah grass and neeb because and neeb's gonna be at yeah. i believe neeb's gonna be at blizzcon yes yeah yeah i believe so yeah for the world championship series so fun sorry i had to interject because that was cool okay uh I, I feel like mentioning we should mention BlizzCon at this point since you guys just mentioned that BlizzCon was going to come up in a month. Yes. And that's what we should be talking about because BlizzCon is in a month. And uh, I'm sitting here trying desperately to figure out what they're going to announce at BlizzCon because they just put Brawl out now. Yeah, which so is that's, a surprise. I, I would think they would hold that for BlizzCon unless they have something but, else up their sleeve. Well, that's the thing. It's like with with Brawls out now, we know that like One Night in Carazon, is that out yet or is that coming soon or what? For One Night in Carazon. That's, that's been out for like months. Or are you talking well, about the Carazon patch for Warcraft? No, so, I was talking about I was talking about Hearthstone because I don't play Hearthstone. Yeah, oh, yeah. Been, no, that's, that's been like, out. That's done and over with. Well, my point is that we don't really know what they're going to do for Hearthstone at BlizzCon. Right. We don't know what they're going to do for Heroes at BlizzCon. We don't have any idea if they're going to do anything for Overwatch at BlizzCon. So for a while there, we were talking about Overwatch. Like, you know, Overwatch is like 99% certain right now that Sombra is going to be very... announced at BlizzCon. Yeah, but that's by itself. That's just a new hero. That's not like. Yeah, but there will be more with that. You know, there's going to be more. But that's my point. We don't know what the more is. We... <laughs> BlizzCon is rapidly turning into a we have no idea what they're going to do at BlizzCon. BlizzCon. They're it's doing very unpredictable young, this though. year, and I'm kind of cool about that. What we think, Alex? We Sorry, they're doing something Diablo because the Diablo Twitter account ways back, like specifically said, keep an eye out for BlizzCon. 
Yeah. When, when somebody asked, hey, Diablo, are you doing anything new? They were like, keep an eye out for BlizzCon. So yeah, so we, we know they're doing something, but we have no idea what it is. We don't know if it's Diablo 3 expansion or Diablo 4 announcement. We have no idea. So And, and Legion just came out. Legion will be two months old when BlizzCon hits. So we have no idea what they're going to announce for Warcraft, if anything. Like 7.2, maybe. Maybe, but... The way they did 7.1, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they just always try to stay a patch ahead at this point, if mm-hmm. they're going to keep up that kind of pace. But all of it is, like, this BlizzCon is the BlizzCon of, mm, guys, guess we'll find out. And it's the first BlizzCon without Chris Metzen, which I, I honestly feel like... I know he's retired, but I honestly feel like black-suited thugs should come into his house and abduct him <laughs> and take him to BlizzCon and just make him at do least the to thing. do yeah at least to do the opening ceremony because it's just not an, I I can't imagine an opening ceremony without him I really it's can't not, <laughs> it's not like it would be unusual for that to happen like I'm trying to think most conventions whether they be industry conventions or like hobby conventions. The person who does the keynote is usually somebody who's been invited to do it as opposed to somebody who works for that company. You know, either they'll get a celebrity or just, you know, somebody from the industry to I talk. Just, I feel like a curtain should go up and he should be you know, strapped to a chair with a hood on his head and he should pull the hood off and he'll have to start doing the thing. That's what I feel like should happen. I don't actually, please don't actually. But I honestly, you know, I've never even gotten to go to BlizzCon and I won't get to go this year either. I'm hoping for next year because things work out health-wise and otherwise. But Man, to, to watch it and not like who are they going to have up there? What poor, I mean, are they going to force Samwise to do it? I don't, I can't think of who else would do it. Honestly, it's just this is the BlizzCon of what's BlizzCon going to be like. It's the first BlizzCon in a long time where I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. I like that though. I like not knowing because when we know everything is going to happen, it's like you know, you show up with like a certain expectation. Okay, they showed that thing. Now they're going to show the next thing, and we're kind of going in blind. And and I kind of appreciate that because the surprise is fun. I like yeah, the surprise. Well, if people are going to start blabbering about things, it's going to be within the next few weeks. So yeah. uh, who knows? By the time you know November 4th is here, we might know everything. <laughs> you never know. Things might leak. I hope not. I don't know. I, I can't wait to find out, though. And then okay. um, we should mention that Taronda, Taronda is a Hearthstone hero now, like a yeah. replacement Anduin. Well, I... I guess you could call it that. It's like a priest skin. You can, okay. you can you can wear Taronda instead of Anduin. It's like Alaria or Medivh or the other right. ones that they've had out there. And this was announced at TwitchCon because Twitch Twitch has always not always, but for a long time they've had Twitch Turbo, which is like the subscription version of Twitch. But Amazon owns Twitch now, so they have Twitch Prime. And if you have Amazon Prime, you already have Twitch Prime. So if you link up your Battle.net account. If you have Twitch Prime, you will be given Taronda in Hearthstone. And you also can do, um, each month, you can subscribe to a particular streamer for free. Because uh, like, Turbo came with that. You got Twitch Turbo and you like subscribe to somebody, I think. But if you have Twitch Prime, you can just pick somebody to subscribe to. And that person gets paid as if you subscribe normally. So even if you haven't subscribed to anybody on Twitch, but you have Amazon Prime, you should do it. To a streamer you like, just so they get paid. Uh, we we are not partnered, so we've had people ask, "Can I subscribe to Blizzard Watch with this?" Uh, no, we're not partnered, so you can't. I appreciate the thought. Sadly. <laughs> but if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can get a 30-day trial, and that'll get you Taronda. And if you go to our post about Taronda and you go to the 30-day free trial link, 
that does help us in like a really roundabout way. So if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can go do that, and then you can subscribe to a streamer you like, and also help oh, us. Guys, You're helping guys, a lot of people. Guys, uh, Tom Chilton just made an announcement to a Polish gaming magazine in Pixel. Wow, is it 10.1 million subscribers? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Cool. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I thought that this kind of thing we should. No, no, no. That's cool. If that's breaking like right now, that's cool. That's five million more than they had at the low point of Warlords of Draenor, I believe. I, I. It's also not outside the realm of the norm for a new expansion. No. No. Them well, hitting it... ten. So, ten. Yeah, they'd always hit ten. It's... Except that they usually didn't fall to five. Yeah, so but it's a little. Always... It's yeah, no. It, the balance is about what you might expect. I'm just putting it out there because right. Chilton mentioned it to this Pixel magazine. Yeah, so it really depends. Like, it's cool that they bounced back, but they always tend to bounce back. Uh, what it looks like in a few months is going to be the bigger. I think. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think you're. The thing is interesting is that pretty much every WoW expansion for the past four expansions has sold about 3.3 million copies. Yep. Um, I know that that's what Warlord sold. That's what Legion sold. Uh, it feels like every time the new expansions come out, they have a solid burst of, of expansion sales, usually in the three to three, three and a half million copies sold. So that's interesting, and that's very stable. So I, I'm i just going to make a conclusion that we're going to see at least three more WoW expansions because the expansions don't seem to deviate very much from that. Like They, they yeah. seem to deliver the same amount of sales each time. And I mean... I even if subscriber numbers like dropped like a rock, uh, I don't see why they would stop making expansions at all. Because MMOs that have way worse subscriber numbers are putting out expansions all the time and are still making money. It's just they're not making money, you know, by the boatload, but they are making money. So I think if if WoW, as long as WoW is profitable, they'll keep doing it forever. There's a yeah, there's the, been a lot of I've noticed anyway on my friends list and stuff. There have been a lot of like returning players who are gone for pretty much all of Warlords that are back now and playing now and absolutely loving it. Like Legion's on a completely different level, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will also point out that now they he also announced there's still over 100 million accounts. So they haven't lost many accounts, if at all. I don't think they do lose those accounts. Those aren't active accounts, accounts though. Those are created <laughs> oh, no, that's, accounts. Yeah. That's just accounts. That's not subscribers or anything like that. It's purely just they have that many But accounts. that's an amazing number. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have had the same experience that my friends list is always full. There are actually people online in my guild, like quite a few people, when for like three quarters of Warlords, I was the only person who ever logged in in my guild. They came back. And a lot of them are back. Yay. But I am noticing it slowing down a little bit that people like they've hit the max level. They're kind of hitting that point where like the only progression they see is like mythic stuff. And they're not really sure if they want to do mythic plus. So I don't, I'm kind of getting a vibe that maybe it's going to start slowing down, but that doesn't mean it is, or that I have like psychic powers that will know anything. But well, for, that, just, you know, for that matter, there's fun, another, like... sorry, go ahead, Rossi. I was going to say for that matter, there's another patch coming out relatively soon. That will yeah. give them something else they might want to do. And like you said, if, if BlizzCon in a month announces patch 7.2, that could have an effect too. But I did just want to make that point. And I do think you know, it's really weird. It's not just that your friends lists are more crowded or there are more people on. There's more people just in general. Yeah. Like people I don't know and have never talked to just, you know, wandering around. Like when you're in Dalaran, there's people all over the freaking place. You know, my even the... <laughs> 
the the warrior class hall is relatively packed considering it's not as packed as it was that one night i think part of that too though is because we spent most of warlords in our own garrisons in our own quiet little world and suddenly we're back out in in like a space i i love it when they do the hub cities for expansions where it's like both alliance and horde in one place i don't i mean it was okay in Missa Pandaria when they had the two separate shrines, but even then you didn't really like run into players of the opposite faction. I love it when everybody's all wandering around. I loved Shatrath in Burning Crusade and I really loved Dalaran and Wrath and I'm glad that we've got Dalaran back again. It just, it makes the world feel full. Yeah, there's been a strange phenomenon that like maybe I'm just the only person having this problem. There's like two or three people that I don't know. I've never spoken to them. They're not in my guild and on my friends list. They're just people on my server or like my server cluster or whatever. That always seem to be wherever I am. Like I'll run into them multiple times a day doing world quests. Like, oh yeah. I'm just questing and like the same like night elf warrior I've seen every single day since launch. Like I was charging by. I'm like, why is this person everywhere I am? <laughs> it's so weird. They have your but same nice schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Like they have, they're on the same schedule. They're doing world quests in the same order I am. It's like this is just bizarre, <laughs> but that's uh, that has nothing to do with anything. I also want to make a point that uh, Wing Two of Emerald Nightmare has been released this week. It's a week ahead of schedule, so it's open right now. I gotta, uh, I gotta uh, go back and do Wing One because I haven't even touched that yet. So I just felt like that was news we should open LFR. Yes, LFR Wing Emerald Nightmare oh. LFR Tormented Guardians is open right now. So that's Ursoc. Yeah, it's supposed to be next week. It opened this week instead. Strange. Okay. So that's Ursoc, Dragons of Nightmare, and Scenario. Cool. But that's basically it for news, I think. So since Alex did his thing in the middle and didn't pulled it off beautifully, actually, I, I have to compliment you there, Alex. Um, I guess we'll move on to emails. Except Tom so, Schultz ruined it. Yeah, sorry about that. But I, I did think we needed to actually mention that. Cause it <laughs> felt like no, that was a good thing to mention. Anyway, go ahead, Rossi. Uh, well, you know, we're doing emails, so as always is the case, uh, please send your emails to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you can put what show you're sending them to in the title, that, that's very helpful. Um, but generally speaking, you know, the only thing we really would really love to ask you is they can be about anything. They can be about any Blizzard game. They can be about lore in those games. They can be about, you know, gameplay. We're happy to talk about it. But uh, if you could keep them down below, say, 1,000 to 2,000 words, that would be great. Because uh, this week we picked out some really good ones that were nice that were nice and concise. But I've got a couple. There was one email in particular, and I'm really sorry I didn't use it because it was very interesting. But it was 1,500 words. So I honestly couldn't – we couldn't make use of it. So, you know, again, if you can try and boil them down, that would be great. It would be really helpful. And uh, Anne? Okay, um, our first email has three questions in it, so I'm just going to go through them one at a time, if that's okay with you guys. Yep. Okay, and yep. this is from Julian Entropy, who says, Hi, everybody. Been loving what you guys have been doing for a while. I have a few questions, though. Uh, first, do you think Blizzard will ever stop forcing the Alliance Horde conflict? There are certainly legitimate reasons both sides would hate the other and want to fight, but the Legion is invading. It seems very forced right now. I don't know. They, they they seem pretty invested in keeping it going, even when narratively it might not make the most sense. It's Warcraft. It's kind of like, you know, that's that's sort of the point of the game. I'm, I'm I, sick of that Lion's Horde conflict. I really am. I am, too. It's it's I mean, I know it's like the backbone of the game or whatever, and that's what the game itself was kind of conceived around. But it feels like we could move beyond that. Maybe that'd be well, see, great. Here's, 
Here's my thing, though. You put Sylvanas Windrunner in charge of your group. You're, it's no longer forced conflict unless you consider putting Sylvanas in there, forcing it. Because I, I don't know anybody who would be like, oh, yeah, let's totally work with her. And certainly not when Gen Greymane is standing right there. That's like super awkward. That'd be like, well, we, we still have to work with her. Gen, are you OK? I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's let's go work with the horde. I uh, I don't know. It's either I think you can have you can either have the faction conflict or you can have the greater story. I think when they keep trying to have both, it just undermines the whole thing. Like we have okay, so we're gonna ramp up the alliance fa- alliance horde faction war, but then we're gonna have this big lore character go set aside your differences to fight the greater evil. You can't have both of those things. You can't always tell people to set aside their differences for this greater evil when you're also writing the story where people are getting slaughtered by the other faction. Is Ragnaros really the greater evil in this scenario when you're looking at, like, body count? It's, no, it's situations. he's yeah, not. It's, it's really kind of, like, Legion is really a weird time for it. I will give you that one because it's like, this is the first time it's felt like we are in an oh bleep moment. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I didn't feel that way in Warlords once. I didn't feel threatened by those guys. The, the Warlords of Draenor were not... You know, I was like, yeah, okay, we stopped you at the te- the portal. I've been kicking your butt ever since. First raid, I, I kill a Warlord right off the bat. You, you guys are not selling the menace here. Whereas, I feel menaced by the Legion. I, I really do. I feel like we need to step it up. And I, I, I get that Sylvanas is crazy evil and does horrible things, but she really isn't as bad as a Dreadlord. Okay, much less all the dreadlords. They're they're literally all over there. There's like I think it's like a couple hundred of them over there. I I think we got to focus on those guys. Yeah, it's they always want both of them, and it just doesn't work having both of them. They undermine each other. You can have one, you can have the other. Having they, both of them just doesn't make a lot of sense. What's weird is they got it right in vanilla. They got it right with AQ. They they understood. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you remember that? I, I seem to recall. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that was like the birth of the Seventh Legion in WoW, because it was uh, the Seventh Legion for the Alliance and like the Might of Kalimdor for the Horde or whatever. Maybe that was a combined name. I don't remember. And Might of Kalimdor was the combined Alliance Horde forces. The Seventh Legion were the what came out of the Alliance group that went yeah. to the Might of Kalimdor. They then formed the Seventh Legion out of them after they were done. Yeah, so it you know it was they didn't make this huge deal out of the conflict. It was there. There's battlegrounds and stuff. I don't expect them just. I really don't expect them to justify battlegrounds in lore necessarily. Uh, it's just stuff to do. It's a separate thing. Yeah. But when it came time to you know set aside differences, there was no there was no massive faction conflict story to like muddle that up. Whereas if they were telling the same you know. Orcs killed 10 bajillion night elves or whatever. And then a night elf is like set aside our differences. It's like, okay, this, this is a jive. <laughs> this is not something that's working for me. Uh, I just can't do. Okay. Well, the second question here says, why do you think the horde changes war chiefs so often while all the Alliance leaders save the dwarves and now humans have been fairly stable. I really feel like we're due for a night elf leadership change. Worgen two after Legion. Um, uh, I don't think that we're actually due for a night elf leadership change because these guys have been leaders for like 10,000 years. So they kind of know what they're doing. The Horde, the Horde is in a really interesting space because Sylvanas, you know, we talk about how, oh, well, you know, she's the war chief for the situation right now because nobody does vengeance like Sylvanas, you know. But at the same time, you kind of have to look at the situation and go, Sylvanas is the only original Horde leader we have left. Thrall's gone, Fulgen's gone, Karen's gone, 
it's all replacements and then Sylvanas, which is kind of scary to think about. Um, so the Horde is in like a really weird place right now, and it has been for a couple of expansions. I don't know. Rossi, Alex? I, do, I don't think that the Alliance and Horde situations are really comparable for a couple of reasons. First off, the Alliance, High King Alliance thing is very informal. Very rarely did Varian, like, he doesn't, you don't hear a lot of, and then of course we have to talk to the High King. You know, <laughs> you go to Darnassus to talk to the elves about something, they don't immediately call Varian and ask him what he thinks. There's, it's much less centralized. Oddly enough, the alliance really does function like an alliance. These are allied nations. They don't necessarily they're call all up separate. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the horde, the war chief of the horde is the war chief of the whole horde. He's not war chief of the orcs and then some other guys. They're he, like mom or dad. Yeah. So having Sylvanas as war chief, she is now war chief. The, the whole place reports to her. So it's a different situation. Um, in terms of stability and leadership. I mean, the dwarves, yeah, obviously. The night elves have had a stable leadership thing going on because, again, they're night elves. They, you know, I, I, I actually disagree. I think it is time for a change, and I think it should be Chandra's Feathermoon, but that's, uh, that's just because I'm a Chandra's fanboy. I'll know this. Well, yeah. Um, but <laughs> like Morgan, I, the Worgen have Gen, and it's like, I don't know. Like, are you going to, you know, you're not going to switch from Velen unless. Velen does something because again, Velen makes the night elves look like they're you know fickle. Those those trend have been following that dude around for twenty five thousand years. It's like you know, so part of it might just be the longevity of the races involved. Alex, what were you gonna say? I just don't. Um, I have not played like I have played horde characters, but I haven't been like full time horde very long time. So maybe my perceptions are just weird. I feel like the alliance, um, the leaders have been the same for a long time, but. They haven't done anything at all until recently. Like, none of them. <laughs> it's only recently that they've had a presence. Uh, when you're talking, like, the humans, we had, like, Bolvar Four Dragons standing in the keep for years. Uh, there wasn't really anybody. Like, he's gone. He's somewhere else. Uh, we had Varian, and he's gone. So now we have Anduin. So the humans have changed leaders a number of times. Uh, the gnome leader has not done a damn thing, except he shot a demon in the cinematic. Finally, after 14 years or whatever it is, the dwarves have their, you know, Magni's out of the picture as their leader. They don't even have one leader. They have a giant council of people I don't really care about because they're a council of people and they don't do anything. Taronda's cool. Um, Gen is finally getting to do something after how many years? Uh, I just have not seen the Alliance leaders do anything until recently. And I don't know if the Horde has had that same experience. Like maybe Horde leaders didn't do anything either, but uh, it feels like the Alliance leadership has received a shakeup because these characters are characters now instead of NPCs that stand somewhere and don't say or do anything. Which is kind of where we were standing with all leadership back in vanilla, really. Because, I mean, Thrall was there, but the most he ever did was send people on a few quests. Sylvanas was there, but the most she ever did was send people on a few quests. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Vol'jin, Vol'jin didn't even really do anything. I think he had like maybe one or two quests that he sent people out on, uh, you know, on the Horde side. On the Alliance side, it felt at least a little more active, but not really because Varian was completely gone. Like, but there was that whole situation going on in Stormwind. So yeah. it felt like there was actively something going on there and you had an effect on it. Whereas Horde, you never really got that same impression. But I think... Once they started giving these leaders stories, they had to start giving them things to do. And I think that 
for the horde mostly like Vol'jin we never really got a good picture of what Vol'jin was like as a leader he was just there he was there one moment and then gone so I don't think what we need is leadership changes I think they just need to stop killing leaders and stop changing it and let us actually see what these people are going to do like I wanted to see see Vol'jin like I don't play horde I wanted to see what Vol'jin was going to do apparently nothing there there are other there are other ways to tell a leadership story than by killing them off um Gen right now is like a really good example of that because he's doing stuff like he's actively doing stuff and none of it has to do with like his death or anything like that. It's just he's motivated to go do things now and he's actually doing them. And that's great because I've been waiting for him to do that since the Worgen starting zone. So I'm really happy to see some movement on that front and I kind of hope that we see it go further from there. I would like to see Gen and the Worgen take back Gilneas. I would like them to see them, you know, reclaim their own kingdom, not necessarily wall themselves off, but become this kind of like powerhouse thing. I would love to see how Anduin comes into his own. We haven't really, Anduin is king now, but we haven't really heard anything from him. And I'm sitting here going, it's like another Vol'jin situation. Vol'jin became war chief. And then what did he do? He didn't do anything. He yeah, let us go do our saw, stuff. You know? the, only time, the only thing you saw Anduin do is if you played Alliance, you got him. He gave you a letter. Yeah, but that's it. Like, yeah, it's it is true that that we would we could see more from those characters. Velen at least has been fairly well developed here. We've seen some something. From uh, yeah, Velen, and is... that's why I think stuff like Light's Heart and stuff like the the class order hall campaigns would be a great way to develop these characters because you can have you could have your characters sent to talk to Taronda as an equal, like you know, as the arch druid, you go visit Taronda, and she's like, "We have to go do this thing." Actually, Boom. I'd say the priest class hall would go talk to Taronda because she's a priest of the moon. But you know, same thing. You'd have the druids go talk to Malfuria, and you'd have the hunters go talk to I don't know who. Hemet, nothing <laughs> No, but like one of the leaders or something like that, and then you have like Rexar or whatever. Rexar or you know Blightcaller, jeez. Um, have them go talk to any of those people, you know, bring those people in, make them more active and maybe even make those leaders involved with the classes that they portray. Um, that so would I be cool. Really, I want more faction specific artifact skins as well. Yeah. I want like a faction, like imagine if there was an ax that only horde could get for like certain artifacts and a sword. And only each skin it. for it was for like that particular, like there was one that was like blood elf themed, one that was orc themed, one that yeah, was, I would, tr- yeah, I would think that would be great. Or the yeah, same thing would... on the Alliance side, you know, you have one this that's is... gnomish, one that's human, ones that... It'd this be cool. generally why, you know, I, I feel like WoW needs to stop killing characters. You could do more with these characters. There's, there's stories to tell, there are things to learn. Uh, when they're, like, spending Legion willy-nilly killing people off, I'm just... I'm not, like, moved by this great sacrifice. It's like, you know, you could have told me more stories with that character. I would be more interested in that than... You eliminating this person before they did anything or whatever. Stop killing people. Tell me stories. Tell me good stories about people <laughs> that's why, who but aren't that's discovered as corpses on the ground. That's why Tyrion's death is okay. Tyrion's yeah. Born. He had his story, like his whole story beginning to end from vanilla on. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was it was an end note. Um, okay, so the third question here, it says, tinfoil hat theory slash question. If Blizzard hadn't made Garrosh a horrible dictator, but gone the route of him redeeming himself like Gnar, do you think he would have been a good leader to lead the Horde against the Legion? Why wouldn't he have been a good leader against the Legion as a horrible dictator? Sometimes horrible dictators are really good at leading against, you know, armies of maniac demons. I'm just saying, you don't have to be a good person to fight that. Okay. I mean, Garrosh had put together a pretty terrifying military. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason he got defeated was more along the lines of, I guess, it's kind of hard to explain because Warlords doesn't hold together as a coherent story. So I don't really know why he lost. I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of like, if a character was the opposite of who they were, what do you think would happen? Yeah, well, the thing is, is that he wouldn't, the, the the horrible dictator thing isn't very different than Gnar. Gnar wasn't a nice person. Gnar th- sacrificed himself against the Iron Horde, but he was a jerk. Like, he's a jerk throughout that whole thing. It's just he got a, you know, if Garrosh had been put into that position, he might very well have sacrificed himself for his people. He was brave. Nobody ever argued Gar- that Garrosh Elscream was a coward. The guy was brave. He absolutely was not. He was just a maniac. I, I don't have a problem with a maniac fighting demons. I, I, it's when a maniac starts being a maniac to like everybody that I have a problem with him. I think Garrosh, if Garrosh had never become war chief in the first place, like it, at least not when he did. He would have been one of those fun. really good military. He would have been another sour fang. He didn't want to be leader. He didn't no. want to be war chief. If you if you never forced him into the role, if if they you know maybe they'd given it to Savage early. I don't know, whatever. But if he hadn't been war chief, you know who knows. We have no idea where his story would have gone, but you know, I think I, he I would have done okay though, because I mean, he obviously did okay up in up in Northrend with Wrath. He came back from that like a war hero, but and, you know, he he got beat by us at Orgrimmar, but he got beat by us because he he lost the support of most of his own people and still managed to escape and build up yet another military force. So the, the dude was good <laughs> at building up military forces. He, he was really good at making you know armies. So, yeah, he probably would have been a pretty good leader to lead the Horde had he not been so ham-fisted about the whole thing. Um, I think the only the only issue with him up in Northrend was that that was kind of the start of that whole interfaction tension. Because the way that he treated various races that were not orcs was not necessarily the best route to go about it. And, I mean, if he had had that moment of redemption or just a moment where he realized... Oh, I need to respect everybody in the horde, not just the green guys. Then maybe we would have seen something better out of him. But yeah, I mean, we saw the spark of it over in Stone Talon, and then that went nowhere. <laughs> okay, so uh, the last thing that Julian has to say here says one last thing on a personal note. My wife Tanya passed away very suddenly, April 29th. She was looking forward to Legion and trying out demonology on her main Renandra. I don't know if you do shout outs on any of your podcasts, but if you do, would you give out to a shout out to my wife? Always be the best warlock on Cadgar. Thanks for your time, Julian. So I felt like we should shout that out. Uh, I did too. I, I'm going to just say I, I put that in there, this email in there for that. Because, uh, you know, I, I have a wife. So, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. Okay. Um, our next email is from Bruce, who says, Hello, they who watch Blizzard from afar, except for that weekend in November. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Lore question time. Do Helheim and the Halls of Valor really fit with the overall WoW, wow cosmology? Great places in themselves, certainly. I can't think of any place else that handles souls anything like the way they do, where souls retain such active, independent nature within the boundaries of their little afterlives. But I've been known to miss things, too, so comments are very welcome. Thanks, Bruce. I was actually just reading about this because I was writing a KYL of the Titan Forged. And uh, the foundation of Helheim and why it's there and why the Halls of Valor exist is really interesting. Um, it's it's actually all constructed. like, And Helheim is it exists because Odin got ahead of himself. And he basically, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. 
Like he, he basically went to the, to the Reichel and said, I'm creating these halls of valor. And any of you that die valorously can come be, I'll re I'll pull your spirits to there and I'll give you new bodies and you can fight. And that's not that the Titans never gave him that permission to do that. That's not something that was ever set up that he could do. He just kind of decided it was a good idea. And so Helia, who, who at the time was like, she was effectively a Titan watcher. She wasn't a keeper like he was. There were only nine keepers, but he was a watcher. She, she was a watcher and she went to him and said, this is a terrible idea. This is, it completely flouts everything. I, I deliberately created the elemental planes alongside, you know, High Keeper Ra. I was his assistant. I understand the, the magics they use to, to segregate these planes of reality. And we're not supposed to do this. It's it's a very bad idea. I think you should stop. And he goes, okay, kills her and makes her into a into a Valkyr and and forces her to do it. Uh, which it, this is a very bad thing to have done. This is why I, as a warrior, I would rather work for Helia than Odin. Odin's a dummy. <laughs> Helia is awesome, and she has a better haircut. Well, she's Helia's a jerk from when I did Helheim. I don't like Helia either. But and yet I, she has a better haircut. Well, I don't really agree there either, but I, she I do is say styling. I, you have to give her that. I will say that I find Helia's motivations a lot more palatable. I mean, granted, I don't like what she's doing, but yeah, of course she's angry. There's an element you know? of sympathy involved there. She well, this was plus he was like her father to her. He was he he basically she she considered him her adopted father. Like you know, they the the Watchers and Keepers were created by the Titans, but they developed familial bonds. And she thought of him as her father and he did this to her and he didn't just do it to her. I think he enslaved her for a very long time. She was, she, if you've seen, like if you've played through warlords and you, you've seen the character of a year and the temple where the, where the shield maidens become the Valkyr, uh, she, that was her job. That was what she did for Eon. And then finally, when Loken was, was betraying the, 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 you know, the, the keepers, he came to her and said, look, aren't you sick of this, this life you're forced into? I can help you uh, and you can help me. And that's how, you know, the whole reason that, that that Odin can't get out of the Halls of Valor is because of Helia, because she used the magic that she and High Keeper Ra developed. And that's important. If you're an elemental shaman, you know about High Keeper Ra, uh, also known as Ra-Den, if you, if you did Throne of Thunder Heroic, uh, but when it became, you know, when it was there. Um, Ra-Den created the elemental planes along with Helia. The two of them worked out the binding magic. That's the magic that that he had her break in order to create to to pull souls to the halls of valor, and that's the magic she used to put the halls of valor into another dimension. She essentially pushed the halls of valor out of Azeroth, so they're not. It, it's fit. In, it fits into the cosmology because it's literally a piece of Azeroth that's been folded up like in a pearl, and they can't get out unless the only reason Odin can leave is because he basically uses all his power to transform himself into a normal Vrykul. That's the only way he can get out. And he can, you can get out because you're not dead, you know? So that's the whole reason the Halls of Valor exist. And Helheim is the remains of what he made her do. Now that she's, she, she doesn't have him to worry about anymore. She can do what she wants there. So she does. That's, that's how it works. It, it, it's artificial. This is all basically using Titan magic. It's really fascinating. I, I really, if you haven't gone to them, you should definitely go. Obviously, you probably have just a level, but yeah, definitely look at the lore stuff of it. It's really fascinating. And it's like having played this stuff and kind of knowing this story. You know, with the upcoming Trial of Valor raid, I would really rather get rid of Odin. I don't want to fight for this guy. He's a huge <laughs> jerk. I would much rather be rid of him too. 
I, I give you, you know, Odin is a jerk. I straight up, he is, he is not a nice person. He, he think he feels perfectly justified. And part of the thing is, is he's bitter too, because the, the other keepers went against his will, even though he was the prime designate. Like the Titans said, you're the prime designate. You, you defeated the old gods, you know, you're in charge, but they listened to high keeper Ra instead. And they listened to Tyr instead. And they created the dragon aspects against his express will, because here's nothing. Odin's a huge racist. Odin is not a nice guy. It's really weird. Like the more I discover about Odin, the more I'm like, I, I mean, he's and I know the that Legion, they said, but... I know that they said that we're going to see some kind of resolution to that whole storyline. I'm just wondering what kind of resolution we're going to see when we get there. I, I feel like, given what Odin did, I feel like if we were to kill Odin instead, and we're like, hell yeah, let's go do good stuff now instead, we killed that big jerk. She'd probably be like, oh, all right. <laughs> Like, her whole thing is Odin is an asshole, excuse my language. So if we just got rid of Odin, we would have the much cooler Helia instead doing awesome stuff. No, she would just, she's evil now. And she she revels in the torment she puts people through. I think we'd have to take them both out. There's yeah. No, can we, let's take Odin out first. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think Odin would be the harder fight. He is way more powerful. The only reason he can't get out to just attack her himself is because of the magic that that Highkeeper Ra developed that she uses. So that there's a lot to the story that's really fascinatingly dark and and very it is very Norse myth inspired where families do horrible things to each other. So yeah, I I don't know I don't feel good about Odin. I gotta say it. Okay, it's, it is the worst part of playing a warrior in this expansion is working for Odin. Okay, well, I'm going to skip forward here because there's a question here I wanted to get to because I find it fascinating and it's a good question. Um, so this is from Sevatar who says, hey, watchers, quick question. You'll be pleased to know we are. We are. He says, with flying not yet available in this expansion, we're finding ourselves on flight paths a lot. So why is it that we can't do some admin tasks while we're flying? Surely just because we're on a flying mount doesn't mean we can't use artifact power or rub our hands together and do some crafting. Surely that would be the ideal time to do things like that. Cheers, Sevatar. I yeah, like, agree. See, I got a hard time with the crafting one because it's like, okay, I'm on my flying, I'm on the, the griffin, pull out my anvil. Start hammering <laughs> stuff. Just griffin rest, like, like the, the thermal anvils from engineers just rested on the griffin's head and start banging away. Or just like, you know, you pull out... Like, I'm going to make, I'm going to do some needlepoint here. Work on my tailoring, you know. It's freaking out a giant loom. You've got <laughs> loom on the thing's head. You're doing this skiff around. The griffin's like, ah! Here, griffin, hold this thread. Hold this bit of yarn. I'm going to make some robes or something. It, I don't it's know. actually got the, you know how they got the, the you know, they the, the Azerothian griffins have lion paws? Yes. Like the lion paws stretched out as it flies, and it's got the, the yarn all stretched like around his cane wound on his on its little fuzzy paws. No, um, there are some things though, like using artifact power or even like opening a bag to see what's in it, that kind of thing. I've yeah. always wondered why can't we just do that while we're flying? It's yeah, not it's like we're doing anything else, you know. I'll give you that kind of stuff. Artifact power in particular. I mean, it doesn't even seem like it seems like I'm just cracking open like, oh, hey, it's an acorn of the world tree crunch. Thank you. I get some more artifact power or symbol. It's jewel of victory. W OK, do I just stick it on the, the artifact? What do I do with? OK, my bedazzling my artifact. Cool. It's more powerful now. Bedazzle. <laughs> the griffin holds the glue gun. <laughs> yeah, Um. I was my initial reaction when you were reading this question was who is spending that much time on flight paths? But I guess it would depend on class. 
Uh, warriors have their very convenient teleport to all over the freaking continent. So yeah, I not really everybody's don't find got myself that. on those. But not yeah. everybody's got that. So plus, I mean, you have to admit, you use the whistle a lot, don't you? Like when you get done with a world quest and you just want to get the heck out of a place. Yeah, but it's whistle. like it's like a fade to black, and then you're instantly where you want to be. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Um, hunters, for instance, if they use the whistle, they have a chance to catch the hunter flight that takes them only to specific places, which yeah. is actually kind of kind of not great. Weird. So, it's the yeah, eagle my wife, flight thing. My wife gets that all the time. Like she, instead of getting like a flight straight back to the nearest flight point, she ends up on the eagle and she flies all the way back to the the eagle lodge. Uh, that's dumb. And they should change it. Yeah. Why would you want that? I she doesn't know that. She always gets very angry, actually. So yeah. But yeah, there, it's it's there's certain stuff where I'm like, we should be able to do this while we're on a flying mount. There's well, no reason why we shouldn't be able to do this. Why can't we do this thing? Speed Lancer in chat just said, I was able to use some artifact power items on a flight path today. All of them came from World Quest. Were so, they the ones that have the Insta thing? Probably. Some of, some of the artifact power stuff has an Insta thing. You just click it and it goes. Some of it has a cast time, which again, this this is a small thing. But sometimes small things like this drive me nuts. I agree. It's It seems like very rarely does one have a cast time. And it seems like it's not supposed to. They just did an oopsie. All, it seems like all of the big ones have a cast time. But all of the, like, the really small ones that you get from the small chests, those are instant. I think it's like ones that come as quest rewards seem to have a cast time. Yeah. Like, from an actual, like, regular old quest. But if it's from, like, a world quest or from a chest or from a Speed drop... Speedlancer said that no. some of them had casting bars and they worked on the flight path. Is that something that they changed? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But I haven't Maybe tried, they so. don't have a standard behavior and they really should. But, yeah. It's like, I the, mean, like on Hearthstone isn't a Hearthstone. I should that still box. be able to, like, open a box and look at what's inside while I'm on the back of this flying mount. There's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do that. You know, that kind of thing? Blizzard, please make the dollar on Hearthstone a Hearthstone <laughs> instead of a teleport spell. It doesn't behave like the other Hearthstones in the game, and that's really annoying. Yeah, it's it's kind of silly when they're not all universal, and you feel like they should be a universal thing. Especially because like the Garrison Hearthstone works like a regular Hearthstone, so you would think the Dalaran Hearthstone would be like the Garrison Hearthstone, which is like a normal Hearthstone, but it's not. It's a teleport Dalaran spell. The reason that the the reason I don't like the Dalaran one is because in certain circumstances you can't use it. You can't use it in combat with the regular Hearthstone. You can uh, just little things like that because it's like a spell and it has different restrictions than regular Hearthstone. So what I'll often do if I'm in combat with something and I don't know what I'm in combat with because I can't find it, yeah, that's I want to leave. I hearth to Stormwind. And then use my Dalaran Hearthstone to go to Dalaran instead of just Why bother? To just use the portal in Stormwind. Because it's further away from the inn than clicking my Dalaran Hearthstone. Yeah, I would just fly. One is in my bag and one is over in the keep. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, our last question, I think, yeah, we're going to make this our last question, is from Spanky Hunter, who says, Hi, Merry Band of Adventurers. I had a discussion in Guild today and would like your thoughts on it. With the amount of gear dropping from Mythic and Mythic Plus dungeons, World Quests, Arena, etc., etc., what's the point of doing raids more than once? Without even trying, I have better gear than what is available in LFR. Due to real life, that'll be my rating for this expansion. Most of the raid team has equal to the Mythic quality stuff. Almost everyone on the team has one Legendary. So as my title says, what's the point of raiding more than once to see the story anymore? Is this Blizzard's way of killing off raiding because five bands are easier to make? Is raiding something that should be retired as a thing we used to do? Regards, Spanky Hunter. N no. Well, I, no. I would have said a long time ago, 
I wrote a thing a long time ago called the dangers of exper- of confusing personal experience with universal experience. This is a perfect example of that. Nobody in my guild does Zelf. We only do 10 man normal slash heroic and maybe mythic if we get there. People don't do the same stuff you do just because you do it. Even if everyone in your guild raid team is doing this certain way, other people do it differently. I have yet to run a mythic or a mythic plus, but I've run normal mode uh, Emerald Nightmare and I'm going to run heroic mode. It's just different options is all. Like there some are people who don't want to do five mans at all. Yeah, some people like to do. I mean, when I did raiding, when I did like really, you know, three nights a week raiding, solid raiding back in Missa Pandaria and prior to that, I didn't want to do dungeons. Why would I? I got all my enjoyment out of like working with all of those people and doing the raiding because it is fun. Like raiding is really fun to do if you have the time to, you know, dedicate to that. I don't I don't think it's something that needs to be retired. It's just it's it's you don't have to raid to get that gear. You can raid for the experience of raiding and the fun of raiding and getting the gear from raiding or you can go do LFR or you can go do the Mythic Plus dungeons if that's more your speed. They're giving you more options. That's all they're doing. Is they're just giving you more options to get the same kind of stuff. I will say that they need to do two things for LFR, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. But one is they need to release LFR sooner. And I think that's why you they think? release second wing. Yeah, because you could be doing world quests and mythic plus dungeons, like mythic dungeons at least, a while ago. Like, you know, you've, you've been... Uh, uh, the reason he's all geared up is because you can be doing world quests this whole time and you can get geared up before LFR even comes out. And that, I think, is kind of unfair in terms of LFR versus Mythic, especially World Quests. I, like today, I just did a, a World Quest and got a Mythic pair of shoulders that I didn't even want. They were Mythic Upgrade, and they still weren't as good as the shoulders I already got from a different World Quest. <clears throat> so yeah, LFR needs to come out sooner, because it should come out at least when raiding does. There's no more of this, and then in two weeks, you'll get LFR. No, just... When normal comes out, LFR comes out. At least Just the first slap night. it all out there at the same time. It's yeah. okay. And the other thing is I think I'd balance gear from LFR better with World Quests. Because he is right that World Quests do outgear LFR fairly quickly. Yeah, I'd um, make LFR gear a little bit better than World Quest gear. Not like amazingly better. And I'd still give Myth- World Quests the chance to give you an upgrade. But make it so LFR gear is at least competitive. I, I am one of those people that was in that situation just, just from World Quests. By the time raids opened, I outgeared like normal raiding from World Quests. Uh, the only place in raiding where I could get a gear upgrade is Mythics. I just had an eye level that surpassed LFR and normal just from World Quests, uh, which didn't make a lot of sense. Like I, I It's cool that there's different paths. Like I don't think they should take away good gear from World Quests. It just seemed really weird that I, before the raids even opened, I surpassed them in item level. So here's my question. In the grand scheme of world quest dungeons, mythic plus dungeons, r- regular raiding, where do you think LFR should fit? One, one thing I will say is I think that you know, basically I'd make LFR a little bit more competitive gear-wise and make it come out earlier. I don't think it needs to get taken out. I don't think they need to take out anything else. I just think they need to, like, when they do it the next time, because we're going to have Nighthold, when they do Nighthold, they need to, like, look at LFR and have LFR stuff be competitive to the point where you won't just blow by it and have it be come out sooner. Okay, really what about I- you, Alex? Uh, I think the eye level should have been a little bit higher for these because I think when raiding launched my item level and maybe it's, maybe I just got extraordinarily lucky. That's that's possible. I could have been very lucky. 
my item level was like 845 and loot from LFR is like 825. See, I'm nowhere near 845. <laughs> I'm like not even close. So yeah. you must be well, doing was... a lot more world quests than I'm doing because I just haven't been Maybe. doing up that much. So it was like 825 seemed like if you are max level, that seems like the baseline eye level at max level. Like you're going to be like 820 pretty quick because I think that's where world quest rewards start is around 820 yeah no they started 810 805 you can even get 805 world quests yeah so i know the items that come from emissaries start at like 820 yeah no emissary chests can give you an 805 reward i've done i've, I've seen this happen they kind of scale with reward. you a little bit if you well, start them like lower levels like a yeah. gear then it just but i get your point and i don't disagree with it, it okay. just seemed like it should have been a little a little bit higher than it was it's not like crazy you don't have to like start LFR at like 850 or like you don't have to like make it where Mythic is now or anything. But it seemed like it should have been a little bit better. Yeah. And okay. I, and this question, I just real quick, this one is, is this Blizzard's way of killing off rating because five mans is easier to make? I think it's probably the opposite. It's probably a lot more difficult to make tons and tons of five mans all the time. It was probably super easy to make a 14 boss raid that you expect players to be in for a year straight. That was probably the easy thing to do. This is probably much harder than that was. But I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I it's, prefer it. It, just, but... it feels like they've made options. That's what they've done this time around, is they've just made options. And if you don't have the time to do the raiding and things like that, you can go do the dungeons, or you can do the world quests if you want to, and like skip the whole raiding part. Of... Raiding is no longer necessary to get like the best of the best of the best gear. It's just an option. Which I'm okay with. Let yeah. people let people do what they want to do. That seems to be what they're going with this time around is, you know, letting people choose their own paths and letting them do the things that they really want to be doing the most. And rating still has cool stuff you don't get anywhere else, like yeah. titles and tier sets and so forth. Yeah. Well, that wraps us up for emails. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening, and we will see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.